All right. We have uh, Brother Ken giving us his words this afternoon. His title is Seeking, and the reading is from Psalm 34, Psalm of David. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes it boast, makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their, their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Psalm 34, and the title is Seeking. I'd like to begin and uh, say how grateful my family is for being here this year, see everybody again, and uh, also like to bring the love and the greetings of the Richmond Forest Hill Ecclesia. I'm sure there are some that are back in Richmond that would like to have been out here this week. I think it would be a good afternoon for taking a nap, but I hope you all will all try to stay awake next hour anyway, or 40 40 minutes or however long. I'd like to begin by saying that there are many aspects of seeking. I think it's a huge topic. And there are many words throughout the scriptures that it can imply to seek or to look or to search or similar phrases. And there are going to be many passages that we will not look at this morning. So. I'm sure many will come to mind uh, as you think about the topic of seeking, but uh, we're going to maybe follow a little bit different uh, avenue than what you may think. Brother Bill, last night, I think it was mentioned at the end of his talk uh, about diligently seeking as a lion does its prey. So I, th I thought that was something good to 
uh, keep in mind as well. And in the psalm that we read, Psalm 34, uh, the phrase uh, sought or seek uh, is in there three times in verses 4, uh, verses 10, and 14. And when you get down to 14, you'll see that it says seek peace. So that can take you to back to Brother Bill Tucker's exhortation where he was uh, talking about peace and certainly that's something to be sought after. Uh, perhaps the, in the context of my talk this afternoon, the peace that we would be seeking would be an inner peace. Uh, not necessarily peace with, with our brothers or other people, but an inner peace which I think helps us with, with others as well. But often throughout our life we have to make decisions that seem like what we might call life-changing or life-altering. And we also make daily decisions that can affect our future. The manner in which we address these situations is of the utmost importance in our lives if we want to do what is proper in God's eyes and bring glory to His name. Making decisions is an ever-present situation that requires time and thought and sometimes help from others. The world is changing so rapidly around us and away from God or the true God and His teachings that the decisions that we face are more and more prevalent and serious. Even our choices within the Christadelphian body as a group and individually are affecting us. What ecclesia do we attend? Does it make any difference if we go to amended Bible schools or speak at a meeting that teaches or appears to uphold belief contrary to our own? Do we support this or that function or gathering or person that is involved in some controversy? And the list goes on and on. The problems in the world today affect all of us, young or old. I've been pondering a number of things concerning my own business as I have watched the industry change over the years. The attitude of people has changed, the competition, no loyalty, everyone seeking their own gain at the expense of others, the employee problems, people not paying bills, bankruptcies, and so on. And as I and all of us here get older, we have to consider that Christ may return at any moment or not for some time. So we have to prepare for our future and family and upcoming expenses, or so it seems according to the world. Everyone that is looking for the Lord's return throughout the ages has probably thought that the Lord would certainly return in their lifetime and we wouldn't have to face retirement or growing old or even death. But we find that as time runs out, we may have to consider that we will indeed face death before his return or grow old and face retirement and all the ills of age. When we come to some crossroads in our life and we have to make decisions, we probably all pray about it and try to make the best decision possible we may consider many different facets to our decision. We can be torn in many different ways if it affects our family 
involves moving or some other life-changing experience. Some decisions are thrust on us and weigh heavily on our minds. There are many comforts and direction we can receive from the scriptures. I have to digress, as some have this week, and tell you a story about a mockingbird back home outside of our window. And that bird knows more tunes than I can count. And we tried, and I, I think it, we figured it had about 30 different uh, tunes that it sang. But it likes to perch at the top of this Bradford pear right outside of our bedroom window. And it sings all night long with a piercing pitch that goes right through the walls and the windows. And we, we'll leave our windows open some nights and we'll get up before uh, early morning and close it so the rooster doesn't wake us up. But uh, closing the window with this mockingbird doesn't help one bit. And it just moved there, it's been several weeks ago there now. It was still there when we left. And uh, it doesn't know any difference between night or day. It sings continuously. And as I mentioned, closing the window doesn't keep the sound out. On one hand, we felt like shooting the bird. And I will, in the middle of the night, and, and I will admit, I got up one night and went out and threw some things up in the tree and tried to chase it to another tree, it didn't work. But on the other hand, you have to admire it in certain ways. So consider the mockingbird. They must get a bad rap. And growing up, I used to call them cat birds because they always attacked our cats, swooping down, and they would seem to peck at the back of the cat. And the cat would just try to walk away and find somewhere to hide. And sometimes the fur would stick up on the back of the cat and I couldn't tell if the bird had really gotten the cat and pulled the fur up or whether the cat had just uh, fluffed up its fur so the bird wouldn't be able to get its skin and would get the fur instead. But either way, I've never really seen a, a cat harmed by a cat bird or a mockingbird. And maybe the mockingbird has some good qualities that we should consider. It seeks the highest perch to extend the reach of the song that it tirelessly sings. And we've watched it. It will go from one tree to another tree during the day. Uh, and it'll get on the highest limb or the, or the very peak of the tree. At night, it seems to like that Bradford pear tree. But it seem, seems to show no sorrow, but only joy in its singing. It might drive you crazy. It learns the songs of others or other birds so that it can continuously add to their music, their music to its repertoire. I don't even know if the mockingbird has a song of its own. It may be that terrible squawking noise that it uses when it attacks cats or defends its territory, in which if that is its song, that may be why it copies the other birds. But it sings the songs of other birds as if to maybe improve on their own song or maybe on behalf of the other birds so that they are not forgotten and represented as well in the joyous sound that the bird is making. Unselfish giving time to each of the other songs. Or maybe there is some unknown purpose to the mimicking the bird makes. Either way, you have to admire the tireless effort that they put into it and the manner which with, with which they approach their life. 
They also defend their nest to the utmost whenever a possible predator or enemy approaches, protecting either the unhatched eggs or small birds that are not yet ready to defend themselves or flee danger. You've probably all heard of the novel To Kill a Mockingbird, and I was just wondering, well, where did it get its name? I may have read it years ago, but I couldn't remember. So I looked it up on the internet with Wikipedia, and this is what it said. After giving Jim and Scout air rifles as Christmas presents, Atticus, who was their father, warns the children that although they, can't, although they can shoot all the Blue Jays they want, they must remember that it is a sin to kill a mockingbird, thus the name. And Miss Maudie Atkinson, the children's neighbor, later explains that it is a sin because mockingbirds do no harm. They only provide pleasure with their songs. They don't, don't do one thing but sing their hearts out for us. And so that was the end of what, what it said in Wikipedia. The mockingbird shows us an example of a positive attitude as if he is aware that God will take care of him, as the scriptures say. He has no worry, defends that which he has, and is tireless in his praise and singing day and night. If we could only show such an attitude, knowing that, knowing that isn't always the case, how do we answer life answer life's never-ending problems and questions. There are many parables and teachings that help us along, but I've come to the conclusion that we must have a proper understanding of things, God's truth, the correct doctrine, before we can expect that which is promised. We must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, as it reads in Hebrews 11:6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Why do I interject this? I have noticed over the years that many other religions, or should I say Christians that use the same Bible as we do, speak of many of the same things. They refer to the truth and faith. They look for Christ's return. They talk of living in a proper manner as taught in the scriptures and are considered to be God's servants by many people. Our doctrine and teachings separate us from these other beliefs. And if we don't value the truth and defend it as the mockingbird does her nest, it will be attacked and robbed little by little. So not only do we have to make the right decisions for our own personal lives, what job to take, where to live, etc., is even more important to make the right decisions concerning our spiritual lives. Yes, it can make a difference where we attend a meeting, whether we think things like marriage, divorce, and remarriage, marriage out of the truth, clean flesh, enlightened rejector, and other things are important. We must make the right decisions according to God's word. We can still say, yes, these are important, but if we make the wrong decision, we face the future of being as many other millions of people in the world, thinking that we are serving God, but without the truth. The answer lies in our seeking. If I present any question to you or some problem to be solved, 
some decision to be made, we can find comfort in many of the scripture's teachings. Trust in the Lord, have faith, pray without ceasing, and so on. These things are all part of it, but seeking is the key. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And if we seek the kingdom of God, that is the answer to how we approach life's decisions. Whatever life throws at you, put God first. Seek the kingdom of God and you will make the right decision. We'd like to turn and read from Luke chapter 12. Begin at verse 16 through 40. Luke 12:16 And he spake a parable unto them saying The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully and he thought within himself saying what shall I do because I have no room here to bestow my fruits and he said this will I do I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods and I will say to my soul soul thou hast made, hast much goods laid up for many years take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be, which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on, the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are these servants, those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. 
And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Now the question becomes, how many of us really do these things as it says in these verses? Are any of us here willing to give up our health insurance or our retirement benefits or our savings account or social security? We spend our lives working not just to survive and serve the Lord, but we work and seek after raises and promotions to make more money and have bigger houses and more possessions and to prepare for retirement. Let's be honest with ourselves. The society and the world we live in molds us this way. People actually have jobs such as stockbrokers and insurance agents to help us prepare for our retirement or even our death by purchasing life insurance. The question is, when did all of these things become a necessity? Yes, I think we have all fallen prey to the influences of the time in which we live. I know there has to be a balance. I know that as we just read, God knows what we have need of. He may be the one providing us with a good job or a good salary. But we have to be careful we don't cross the line and get carried away with the, quote, good life of the world. Christ tells us how we should pray in Matthew chapter 6. After verse 8, where he tells us that your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him, he tells us how to pray what we call the Lord's Prayer. This is a prayer of seeking for the kingdom. And in that same chapter, in verses 19 through 34, we have the parallel account to that of Luke. So we'd like to turn and read that. It's Matthew chapter 6. Verses 19 through 34. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold, on, hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. It is, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, 
neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which, is, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So we see in Matthew that not only are we to seek the kingdom of God, but we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Again, I ask the question to you and myself, are we really seeking the kingdom of God first in our lives? What about the man running to Christ in Mark 10? And even the disciples began to question their own loyalty. We'd like to turn to that and read verses 17 through 30. Mark 10, beginning at verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at the same, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that, love, that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospel's, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. I'm just going to stop at 30. Verse 29 testifies 
to what we may be faced with in our life. Leaving father, mother, sister, brother, wife, children, or lands for Christ's sake or the gospel's. You may want to, at your own leisure, compare this with Psalm 34, verse 19, which we read earlier. None of this, these things will be done easily. This is when we get down to brass tacks or clearing out confusing details and finding out the real facts about something. We really find out what we are made of with these types of decisions to become necessary in our life. So if we truly seek the kingdom of God first, then we must be willing to sacrifice many things, if necessary, even family. And I say if necessary, we know from Brother Zach's exhortation that it was accounted that Abraham offered, actually offered Isaac, but we know that in reality, he didn't take his life. God stopped him. But it's the same thing with us. We have to be willing completely to give up things for the Lord. Well, often we find that tough decisions are weighted according to family first or friends or other such things. And I'm not trying to be vague in any of my talk or anything that I'm saying. There, but there are so many varied situations that we have to face or will face in life to come. Many have already had to make tough decisions as things have come up in ecclesias. Some have left ecclesias, some families have been split, and other times nothing is done due to family ties, ties to a building, or other things that don't represent seeking the kingdom of God first. This can include and often does a lack of understanding or study of a particular subject. Consider Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all thanks? God gave us his only son. God gave his only son to die for us. He gives us the breath that we breathe the food that we eat, the clothes on our back. He has not only given us what we need, but much more as he did with Solomon in 1 Kings 3.13. And we should consider that 1 Kings 3.13 and 14. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as, they, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. Consider this when making life decisions. Seek the kingdom of God first. The seeking that we are talking about is not a casual seeking. From Luke 13, 24, it reads, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. I say unto you, we'll For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. The word here, strive, means as in agony. Many will seek to enter in. As I mentioned earlier, are we really seeking first the kingdom of God? Or are we casually seeking to enter in 
when it is convenient and fits our schedule and doesn't require any effort or tough decisions. This is a tough time to be living, knowing that this is the end time and the prophecies that are made concerning the falling away of believers at this time. As we are faced with tough decisions, not just in the world, but in our own house, use the guideline of seeking first the kingdom of God, and we will reap the benefits of the verse following verse 31. Luke 12, 31 and 32, which we read earlier, I'll read them again. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. In verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Brethren, this exhortation is one that I needed to be reminded of. A few years ago, I went to my eye doctor, and, and he asked a question that uh, has stuck with me since then. He said, well, have you got a hold of life, or has life got a hold of you? And that's not your normal greeting. You know, so it kind of caught me off, off guard there a little bit. But you know, this can happen, and it can happen to any of us at any time. And as life is squeezed in on me from time to time, and it seems to happen you know, over, you know, it, it can happen to any of us at any time, but I needed to do a little seeking myself. And so I say that these words were written as a reminder to myself, and I hope in some way it has been profitable to each of you as well. Thank you. <laughs>